0: Thank you for listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. How are you all doing? Good. Good. You're rocking and rolling here today, huh? Okay. Don't forget the Off the Mountain podcast. We're releasing a new one Tuesday, and uh, we're going to talk about health. A lot of you don't have a clue what you're doing to your life. You ever heard of VOCs? Better, how about EMFs? And we're going to talk about sugar, and we're going to talk about stress. Oh my goodness! Uh, Doctor Bruce Lipton is one of my favorite. And some time back, he was uh, cloning human cells and putting them in a dish and watching their behavior. He'd clone a human cell, put in a dish, and put some food over here, and he'd leave for a while, and that cell would go to that food. Then he would take the cell and put it in a dish and put very close to it a toxin, and it would push itself away. And he goes on to say, he's the one that wrote the biology of belief, stress is killing you. The way you see life will change your DNA. And so I'm telling you, you better, listen, off the mountain Tuesday, we're going to do a two-week podcast on health. We release it at 7 o'clock in the morning, but you can hear it throughout the day. With that in mind, I've got a word for you. Let's pray this. Father God, anoint this word. Anoint it. Anoint it. Make it come alive. Give the people ears to hear. In Jesus' name, and everybody says amen. Amen. God usually guides me in my messages, but he specifically told me to speak on this three weeks ago, and I've been sitting on it. So right at the beginning, I'm going to take you back to a Christmas passage. I want to show you something. Luke 2, starting with verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Kind of scary to see an angel probably, huh? For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people on the earth. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior. Say that with me, Savior. Savior. Say it loud, savior. Savior. Who is Christ the Lord And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth there will be peace among men with whom he's well pleased. It doesn't say there will be peace on earth for all Christians, all people, for those in whom he's well pleased there will be peace. Now, here's where I want to take you down the journey today, the road I want to take you down. Let me ask you a question. What? is the primary duty of a savior to save a savior saves now here are a few things off the top of my head that jesus has saved me from he saved me from a premature physical death i should have died of cancer a few years ago he has saved me from divorce i would be divorced if he had not entered the picture he saved me from financial disaster I was on the road, and I do not even know how it happened, but he saved me. He saved me from a porn addiction. He entered and saved me, Entered, entered the journey and saved me. Discouragement, depression, destroying myself. He saved me from my sins, consequences, and destruction. He did it, and I give him the praise and glory. Now, Jesus cannot save you if he's not Lord. That's the message. He cannot save you if he's not Lord. Now, let me give you a working definition to Lord. In the Greek, it's kiros, and it means kurios. It means power, authority, boss. Now, in the olden days, very often, they used the Greek word kurios to give respect to somebody. It was like saying, sir. It later came to mean master, owner. So, if you had a boss, you would say, sir, give him respect. But now in Revelation, it says that Jesus is the Lord of lords. He's the boss of bosses. He's the top one. Now, I've been told that the word Savior occurs only two times in the book of Acts, while the word Lord appears 92 times. Now, there's a lot of confusion in the church world today about basic truths. American Christianity in the traditional church has done a fantastic job messing up the Word of God in some ways. I mean, it just infuriates me. I was watching primetime TV the other day, and a commercial came on and basically said, You need to get right with God. Jesus loves you. And it gave a web page. I went to the web page, and it says, You need to accept the Lord as your Savior. Pray after me, accept the Lord as your Savior. And I saw that, and I became very angry, going, what in the heck does that mean? Accept the Lord as your Savior. There are traditional churches today, they'll give an altar call, and they'll say, you want to accept the Lord as your Savior? Raise your hand. Okay, accept the Lord as your Savior. What does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, that's kind of tantamount to telling someone to accept Walmart as the best retail store. Will you accept Walmart as the best retail store? Yeah, I accept that it is. Are you going to shop there? No, I shop at Target. (laughs) What good does that do? Really, what does that mean? I accept Jesus as my Savior. That's basically saying, well, yeah, He's my Savior. I'll continue to do drugs. I'll continue to sleep around. I'll continue to get drunk. Yeah, He's my Savior. I accept that. So I guess I'm going to heaven now. The TV advertisement said, I'm going to heaven because I accept him as my Savior. I said yes to it. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to Samaria and starts preaching the gospel. And it says that the people received the word of God. Now, in the Greek, you've got to look at what these words mean. We have basically one word for receive. The Greek doesn't. And so, in the text, it says that the people under Philip's preaching received the word of God. And that word is dekamehii. And dekamahi, decamahi, excuse me, it means to welcome the message. Now, later on in that same chapter, it says after they received the word under Philip, the church sent Peter and John down, and they prayed that they'd receive the Holy Spirit. They changed the word "received" to lambano there. So basically what had happened is what happens very often at church on every Sunday morning or any given Sunday morning, someone will come in and you'll say, do you receive the word that Pastor Ron gave? Yeah, I receive it. Do you receive that as the word of God? Yeah, I think it's preaching the word of God. Do you want to get saved? No. not want to get saved. But I received that word. Yeah, that's a good word. That was God's word. Oh, it was God's word. I received that. You want to get saved? No, I don't want to. No, I don't want to. One word is passive. One is active in the Greek. In other words, when it says they received the word under Philip, they said, yeah, we welcome it. We think that's the word of God. We think it's right on. But do you want to accept the Lord as your Savior? No, 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 no. Well, Peter, John came down and so said, now everybody that wants to really accept the Lord as your Savior step forward, and they prayed for him, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, they're legitimately saved. Go to the Bible. Here's the verse we use for salvation all the time, Romans 10 and 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is what? Master, owner, not Savior. You accept him as master, owner and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, and he's still moving around, and he's still acting, and he's still talking, he's still leading, then you'll be saved. Look at Acts 19, 1, 2, and 6. It happened to why Apollos was at Corinth. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Wait, wait, wait. what did he find? What did he find? Disciples, but they're not born again yet. That's interesting. I can talk more about that later. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. He said, then we got to do it all over again. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Adrian Rogers once said, when you give your life to the Lord, Jesus Christ, that was the last independent decision you'll, you ever made. That was it. See, when we make Jesus Lord, we make a whole lot of other decisions real easy. Hey, Ron, you want to get drunk tonight? I can't. Jesus is Lord. He's master owner. He said not to. Hey, man, would you sleep with me? I can't. Jesus is Lord. And he said, I can't. I can't do that unless I'm married to you. When the offering baskets pass, should I put money in? Well, Jesus is Lord. Yeah, I need to put some money in. I need to, to help promote the church because that's, that's his body. Uh, will you forgive me? I have no choice. Jesus is Lord. I have to forgive you as he's forgiven me. Want a divorce? Well, I can't unless I have the right reasons because Jesus is Lord. Now, regardless of what some churches teach, you have to see that if he's not Lord, you're not saved. He has to be Lord, not just Savior. Uh, I have a lot of people in the church today, sadly enough, They think they're saved and they're not. They think they're going to heaven, but they're not because they don't look at the Bible. They don't see what the Bible says. There's people that come to church here every Sunday. They're out getting drunk the night before and they're sleeping around. They're doing porn. They're lying, cheating, and stealing and say, I can't wait for the Lord to come back. You better wait because you're not going. Read the book. You're not going. Christians are people who have made Jesus Lord. Look at 1 John 2, 3, and 4. I love this guy here, the way he writes. By this we know that we know that we know that we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a bold-faced liar. And the truth is not even in him. Now, the word keep there doesn't mean keep to perfection. It means hold high honor, guard them, watch over them. It means, man, they're important to me, even if I don't keep them with perfection. You know, 50, 60 years ago with our grandparents, our mom and dad, they were a whole different breed of Christians. I mean, Debbie's grandparents, every week, the pastor had to come to their church to get their tithe because they did not want it in the house because it belonged to God. So they'd wait for the preacher on Thursday to come and get their tithe. Debbie's parents, they wouldn't think of going into a bar. Uh, They religiously went to church. Sunday, that's what you did. You went to church faithfully. In those days, you walked in, you knew where somebody stood with God. There'd be this huge family Bible on the coffee table. If you didn't read it, if somebody broke in, you could knock them out with it. That's for sure. A big family Bible. They had Jesus pictures on the wall. There's usually always pictures of Jesus and verses on the wall. And cussing, they wouldn't even know how to cuss. No way. Now, I know they bordered on legalism. I, I, I get it. I don't want to go back there. But they did have something good we need to look at. I mean, I went into the biker's bar in Colorado and bought everybody a beer and then told them about Jesus. That's kind of far from where our grandparents were at. But look at 1 John 3, 17. Whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, I don't get it, he says. How does the love of God live in them? If you see somebody legitimately in need, legitimately, not these guys that stand on the corner, but legitimately in need and have little kids and they're hungry, he says, I don't know how in the heck you walk away. How do you do that? With the Holy Spirit in you. And then the next verse 1 John four twenty. if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a bull-faced liar. You can't, you know, you can't do that with your brother and then say, I love God. I don't know about you, but it should be true of everybody in here. I don't hate anyone. There's not a person I can think of that I hate. There's some people I can think of I don't really want to be around. I don't really like them. But if my worst enemy's broken down on the way home from church and trying to get under his car, trying to work on it, I will stop and crawl right under there with you, man. And I'll help him, and I'll do whatever I can. Then probably never call him again, but that's regardless of the point. Uh, I think you get the idea. Now, Christians are not perfect. They're far from it. They're a work in progress. We're constantly confessing our sins, getting back up when we fall down. I've known some good Christians that have fallen back into drug and alcohol problems. And they love God. They're going to heaven. They're God's kid. But they don't stay there very long. They might stay there a year or two. They might struggle. But they find their way out by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know good Christians that have fallen into adultery. They've had a a weak moment, a moment that they let their guard down, they fall into adultery, and, and they're, they're good, loving Jesus people, but they don't stay there. We find a way out. We, they come in my office. We work on it. Uh, I know of good Christians that have fallen back into porn temporarily, divorced their spouses, hurt others in a fit of anger, but all of them have confessed their sins. They found Repentance. They didn't stay with the sin. They they can't because they have the Holy Spirit. As far as I know, there's only one perfect person that's ever walked on this earth before, and his name was Jesus. I don't know of anybody else. I see Peter fail, David fail, Moses fail, Samson fail, Noah fail, Jonah fail. But they all got back up. At some point in time, they got it together, and they got back on the road with Jesus. So, having Jesus Lord doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you keep the commandments to the T, but you hold them in high regard, and you keep getting up, you keep trying, you keep praying, you keep getting counseling. Now, see, the Romans, they couldn't understand why the Christians couldn't accept Caesar as Lord. They couldn't understand why the Christians couldn't pledge allegiance to Caesar. After all, they had multiple gods and multiple goddesses. Why not one more? They didn't get that for Christians, Jesus is our Lord. He's the number one. He's our only Lord. We have no other gods beside our God, Yahweh. He's number one. There are no other gods. You look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they say? They said, we can't bow down to another god. He is the supreme god. You can throw us in the fiery furnace, but we're not bowing down. Now, let's look at three misconceptions about accepting Jesus as Lord. The first one is, it's not beneficial for me to do that. Well, first of all, it's beneficial if you want to be saved, because that's a requirement of salvation. I don't know how the church has messed this up again. I, I heard three preachers that I kind of like Talking the other day, and they've divided Christianity into two segments. You can have him as Savior, or you can have him as Lord. A lot of people have him as Savior, and they need to get the Lordship of Christ in their life. And they they deduce the two. They separate. No, it's not separated in the Bible. Nowhere. Some way, a lot of these Christians have went back to 1 Corinthians chapter three, and they've taken that division there, where there's carnal Christians and spiritual Christians. And they've made two types of Christians, but there's not. Carnal Christians and spiritual Christians are just two types of believers in the body of Christ. One are immature Christians. They're they're men of the flesh. They're babies. The others are more mature, and they're spiritual. What's the difference? The spiritual, they see the spirits. they, They hear the spirit talking to them. They pray in the spirit. They know there's a Holy Spirit. They're very familiar with him. All of that. The carnal Christians just see life on the surface, and they're immature and they argue and everything else, but they all see Jesus as Lord. There's no separation there when it comes to that category, but the church has done an awfully good job doing it. Now, some Christians today are really afraid, or some people in the church, I should say, are really afraid of doing what Carrie Underwood's saying about giving Jesus the will, They're afraid of the lordship of Christ, but you have to be Lord to be saved. You have to come to a place where you believe that God is good and that his ways are good and hand him the controls in your life. They say, well, you know, man, I'm afraid if I make Jesus Lord run, he'll make me marry him. He'll make me marry her because they love God and they don't appeal to me at all, but I'm sure he'll say that's his will. I'll be a doormat for bullies. No, look at the life of King David. He'll just say, if I give my life to the lordship of God and just give him everything, I'm sure he'll send me to Africa and I'll marry a pygmy over there. And I don't want to do that. We have all these thoughts. He'll make me hang out with goofy people. He'll make me give all my money to the church. He'll make me lose my cool if I make Jesus Lord. I said this before, but we got a lot of new people watching on the internet. But making Jesus Lord does not make you some kind of geek. It doesn't make you goofy. Again, single guys, if I was out with a hot woman, man, and she was hot, and I waited for this date for a long time, and we started getting hot and heavy, I'd probably stop at some point and say, sweetheart, listen, I don't want you to take this personally, but you are hot, hot, hot. Whoa. And right now, I'd love nothing better to let this go on. I mean, I could get into this, believe me. I would love sleeping with you. But you know what? I give my life to God and I can't do it because Jesus is my Lord. And so pray for me. I'm gonna go home and take a cold shower. <laughs> Don't take it personally because you are really hot. You're really hot. So man, keep your hotness, okay? But I can't go any further. I'm leaving. I'm going home. Now, is that a geek? Is that woman gonna disrespect you? She might really respect you, going, wow. That, that's, that's pretty cool. And bullies. Well, I'm going to be a wimp for Jesus if I make him Lord. No, not necessarily. But the Bible says if he hits me in the cheek, I've got to turn the other one. Yeah, but if he hits you in the other one, the Bible doesn't say anything, so you can beat the crap out of him then. <laughs> but if you're in a fight situation, man, and you're a Christian, and this other guys, and there's a crowd gathered around, come on, baby, come on, you want some of me, you know. You might respond this way. You go, you know what, listen, man, I'm a believer. I don't want to do this. God would be mad at me. Come on, you afraid of me? No, basically, you know, I eat guys like you for breakfast, really. But, you know, I could hit you so hard, your tears would run down your back when you cried, buddy. But you know what? (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm God's. Come on. I said, "I'm, I'm not doing it. God would be displeased with me. And believe me, God being displeased with me is a lot worse than you calling me a coward. You'd gain people's respect. But we have these fears, we have this idea. I mean, before I got saved, I thought I can't become a Christian because I can't relate to these guys. You got these pastors that, that wear their suits mowing the lawn, I can't relate to that. When they were four years old, their first words were Bible, mine was mine. I like women when I was 18, I like women, they don't, they never, they don't, these guys are a different breed, I can't relate to them. But then I started reading the Bible, and I read about David, and I dug that guy. And I read about Joshua, and I read about Moses. And I go, wow, I can can hang with those guys. See, get those false ideas out of your mind. Being a Christian and making Jesus Lord is a lifestyle that many will respect. Some won't, but many will. Now, again, let, let me tell you. And I've said it before in so many ways, making Jesus Lord is the best life you could possibly ever live. I mean, when you make him Lord, make him master owner, you become his possession. You become his responsibility. I love it. He will give you good things that will blow you away. When I married my wife, I married over my head a long ways. I just sat and stare at her beauty all the time, going, this is the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen in my life. How did I get her? He'll increase your finances so you'll have money to give away. You say, yeah, it's page 432 in the New Testament. It's right there. It's what it says. He's not lying. You'll become his responsibility. Again, when I got cancer, I said, God, if you want me to continue to preach, you've got to heal the body. And if you don't, then that's your problem. I got a lot to give, but you've got to heal the body to make it happen. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Vegas. I'll be going a week, a month, probably from here on out. And I've told God, I need a house in Vegas to rent or whatever you want to do. And I know that I know that He will give me a house in Vegas. To, he'll supply. My Lord told me years ago when I was in Mexico, He's wherever you go to preach the gospel, I will make sure you have a house and a car to drive. I will make sure. I'll tell you the God story in a few weeks. Because he will do it for me. I can't afford to stay in a hotel seven days there. It's too expensive. But he will provide. Uh, yesterday, I was so stressed for a while until I gave it to God. I lost something, and if I told you what I lost, you would start booing me right now. I lost something very valuable. And I lost it, and I told Debbie, oh my gosh, the last time I saw it was on Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. And I started having all these horrible thoughts going, I've got to find this. I've got to find it. And I started calling people, saying, man, you were with me Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, I went to God, and I said, God, <laughs> I know that I know that I know that I know that you're going to find this for me. Right now, I've got to put a sermon together, and I have three people waiting. Right now, that's a life and death. I've got to start ministering to them, and I've got to forget about trying to find that. I said, watch. And I told somebody, I said, watch this. God will provide. He knows where that's at. He even has the power to, if it's lost, to get it and put it in my bedroom. He even has that kind of power. Right now, I've got to get into this word. I've got to study. I've got to help these people. And sure enough, I came home. My wife came walking out of the closet and says, is this what you're looking for? I said, that's it. I knew it. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. And it always happens that way. The Bible says he'll meet all your needs. You know what's interesting, though? Most of the promises in the Bible that Christians are trying to live by have a little stipulation. Like, God shall supply all of my needs. Right before that, it says, because you're supplying the needs of the believers, now he will meet all your needs. And I could go on and on. So, the Bible even says, page 882, if I delight myself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Wow. Let me tell you something. You can't ever Get on your own what God will get for you when you're serving him. Never happen. The second misconception is that the world will accept our lordship Christianity and be happy for us. Not necessarily. There was a video someone sent me two days ago. A very famous man who was in charge of a big sports network. And he came out in the video. He said, I want to tell you athletes, when you get up after your victory, We don't want to hear about Jesus. We don't want to hear that Jesus is your savior, he's your Lord. Leave that stuff at home. We want to hear about the game. We want to hear about the victory. If you want Jesus as Lord, that's fine, but keep your religion at home along with your politics. That's what the world thinks. You know who's talking behind that? That's the devil. The devil doesn't want our young kids to see these macho athletes going, I want to give my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the glory and credit before I say anything else. He does not want that coming out. If you look in the book of Acts, you'll see the same type of scenario. In the book of Acts, the apostles were were, were on a roll, and they were giving God praise and glory. And the authorities pulled them aside, and they said, you will no longer speak in that name any longer. And they said, you be our judge, but we cannot and will not stop speaking in that name because we cannot stop talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. We can't do it. So not everybody's going to feel good about you. I was outside Starbucks in Las Vegas uh, just not too long ago. And I was praying with a brother on the sidewalk, and this big, muscular guy came out of Starbucks, walked over to his car, and he says, Hey, I don't like that. Stop praying on the sidewalk. And I just looked up casually, flipped him off, and I went back to my prayer. No, I didn't. I could have done that, though, in Jesus' name. He was just standing there staring at me. He didn't like it. And I went back and finished my prayer. And at the end of the prayer, I prayed that he'd be gone when I opened my eyes, and he was. Uh, number three. The third misconception is the majority of churches teach this. They don't. They don't. Not the majority. A lot do. But there, there are many, many churches out there in Bakersfield even today that teach easy believism. They teach compromised gospel. They, 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 they teach cheap grace. They want to keep numbers up and they want everybody to think you can have all that. You can sleep around drunk. You have it all that and have Jesus too, because you're all right. They want to keep him coming back. But if you want a church that's going to tickle your ears, you found the wrong one. We're going to hold true to the word of God no matter what. If people come, great. If they don't, they don't. But that's our job. So, how do we make Jesus Lord of our life? Number one, we understand the parable of the pearl, pearl of great price. We understand that parable where the man gets the pearl that he wants, but he has to give up everything he owns to get it. And I'm here to tell you today the gospel is very demanding. Jesus says, Give me everything you have, and I will give you everything I have. That is a great swap, my friends. Uh, you got to give up, you got to realize your spouse belongs to the Lord. Your children belong to the Lord. Your car belongs to the Lord. Your home belongs to the Lord. All the money you have belongs to the, the, Lord. the Lord. It's not yours. Now, like in the parable uh, of the pearl of great price, how I, I demonstrate it is after you get the pearl, the, the guy that sold it to you looks at you and says, I'll tell you what, though. You're going to give me everything. The clothes on your back I bowl. I own everything. But you can use all of that until I want it. When I want it, you remember whose it is. That's what you have to do. And right now, God says, all all your finances are mine, all of them. But if you give 10% back to the church, I'd appreciate it because I want to keep them going. And the crazy thing about that is, and I want to hear a big amen for everybody knows this is true in just a moment. But when you give 10% of your money back to God, he takes the 90% and turns it into 120. Can I hear amen? Amen. I don't even know how it happens. A few years ago, I made a bad business deal. My father-in-law built a lot of homes for me, and I was making some business deals, and I lost a huge sum. And today, I was scratching my head this week going, how did I bail out of that? Because I'm in a place now where I'm able to start paying things off, and I go, I cannot even logically figure out how I bailed out of this. But I did bail out of it. Because what? Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. And so, uh, you have to give everything to him. But he'll let you use it, but you remember who's it? Who is it? If your daughter or son comes to you and says, I'm going to the mission field, you have no say about it. They belong to God. If God told them to go, you gotta let them go. Number two, learn what the word of God teaches and ask God to help you be obedient to it. That's very simple. Learn the word of God and be obedient to it. If the word of God says you gotta forgive, you gotta forgive. If the Word of God says you need to serve, you need to find a place to serve. So as you read the Word of God, after you read it every day, say, Lord, help me, give me the strength to be obedient to this Word because Jesus is Lord. And number three, get in a small group where you can see this lifestyle modeled. I said before, a lot of you, you know, you've never seen normal. Uh, To know normal, you have to see normal. If me and you jump in the car and we go traveling tomorrow, we won't get five minutes down the road that I'll say, God, right now, protect our family while we're gone. And Lord God, if we're going to go kill things, uh, help us kill a lot of things, give us grace, and let us have fun, um, you know, and I'll pray whatever's on my heart. We won't get five minutes out of town until I'll start praying. And Doug Lohman does it, and, and all my friends do it. We, we pray. Uh, you might be riding with someone, and, and as they're traveling along, they go, right now, Father God, I forgot this morning. I was real mean to my wife. She didn't deserve that answer, and I want to confess my sin. You go... That's crazy, you're doing that now? Yeah, I might talk to you for a little while longer, and I might say, oh, hold on, we gotta pull over, I have to text Joe and Peggy. Uh, This morning, God told me to text them something. God actually spoke to you? Yeah, see, to know normal, you gotta see normal. And we're walking with Jesus Christ, our Lord, every day. Shortly after joining the Navy, the new recruit asked his officer for a pass so he could go attend a wedding. And the officer gave him the pass, but informed the young man that he'd have to be back at 7 p.m. on Sunday. And so the young man said to his officer, said, sir, you don't understand. I'm in the wedding. He said, no, son, you don't understand. You're in the Navy. You will be back at 9 o'clock. So we're under the command of Jesus. I told my wife the other day because I've been wishy-washy about Vegas, and some things have happened in Vegas now. And I told her, I said, babe, i got to go back. She said, Ron, has God told you? I said, yeah, He's told me. He made it very plain. I mean, I'm on assignment. Again, we're like we're in the army of God. I've been on assignment here in Beggarsville for almost 50 years. And so far, God has never changed my assignment. But now he has said, you know what? You will go to Vegas seven days out of the month. you got to start helping. This next year is a big year for them. And so my wife said, I understand your assignment has changed. I said, it's changed a little bit. And for once, I really, really know it's God. And so, uh, we're ambassadors on this earth. We're citizens of a different country. We're not even citizens here. We don't, we're not part of this. We're visiting to do a job, and then we're going home. And so, we've got to have the right Jesus, and he's got to be Lord or he's nothing at all. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord of all, at all, I should say. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. So let's make him Lord. That's my message. I delivered it. God told me to. And so let, let's all, instead have an altar call today, let's all pray together. And at the end, I'll put an addendum on there for those that might not have accepted the Lord yet. But everybody pray with me and say, Lord God, renew me to the Lordship of Christ. Let me ex- accept him today as my number one authority in my life. And the word of God is my authority. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the grace and strength I need to make Jesus Lord in all of my decisions. And I know I'll be blessed because of it, because you're a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. See you here, there, in the air. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661 325 2251 or visit our website at VBF.org. I